If you're watching this on video, you'll see my black glasses I'm wearing. They're by Genesee, G-E-N-U-S-E-E.com, an eyewear company out of Flint, Michigan, founded, owned, and operated by my friend, Ali Rose. They employ the structurally unemployable locals and recently incarcerated. They are made from recycled plastic water bottles. They're the first eyewear brand in the U.S. to be completely circular economy. They donate 1% of their net proceeds to Flint Kids Fund, aiding in the long-term health and development of those affected by the Flint water crisis. I really like them. I wear them all the time. They're female-founded. They check a lot of boxes of things that I support, and they offered you guys a discount of, I think, 20%, something like that. So type in tea with SG at www.genesee.com, G-E-N-U-S-E-E.com, and get yourself a pair. Hey, everybody. I'm with Lee Stein, whose book, so I'm really I'm excited and happy to connect with you. It's crazy timing. Um, I'm halfway through the book. I think I'm on page like 120 something. Like, uh, how do you feel? Your book just came out. Congratulations. <laughs> Thank you. It's probably not the greatest time for a book to come out. Um, this is my fourth book. So having a book come out during a global pandemic is not ideal, but I actually think I'm really lucky because I've written a book that's really set on the internet Mm-hmm. And I'm someone who really lives on the internet. And so I think it is lucky timing that it's coming out at a time when everyone is so online. Yeah. I mean, I, I, what makes you say it's not a good time? Because isn't it the best time in, in some way? <laughs> well, you know, I can't do some of the normal things I would usually do, like go in public yeah, and right. uh, talk to people. Um TV shows are not really recording in studio. Not that I've, okay. you know, not that I've been on a TV show for a book, but a girl can dream. <laughs> <laughs> the strand, you know? <laughs> right. right. So, and I think, you know, I personally experienced myself that my attention span for reading books is not what it usually is. Oh um, yeah. Okay. I find that, you know, I'm doom scrolling a lot that, that the rea- reality is more exciting. <laughs> doom scrolling. I don't know if I knew that term, but I totally know exactly what it means. Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. I know. Yeah. It sucks. It's like, how could you read a book when reality is filled with so many twists and turns every time you turn on the TV or pick up your phone? There's a whole, it, 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 you can just take your whole day. I have had days where it's just where did it go? I did nothing today, but I've seen 7,000 images of bullshit. And, you know, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's, it's a weird world. I, I have been, I'd say my reading, I've upped my reading during this period. Um, I'm in a, I'm not in New York. I'm in Mexico, like super isolated in a, like a, with nature and stuff. So it's been nice. And like, my head has been in a good place. I, I know New York is probably a different stress level. I mean, I, I assume. Yeah, I'm in Connecticut. Oh, um, Connecticut, okay. But I had a lot of, you know, anxiety and terror and fear earlier this year. Yeah. Um, and that's dissipated. Connecticut, we're pretty safe here now um, after our My governor. family's in Connecticut too, yeah. Yeah, we have a good governor and he took extreme measures and um, we yeah. reacted quickly. But when I look at other states now, you know, I'm horrified for them. Um, Definitely. There's no way to, I think there's, I don't know how to keep up. Like I can't be like at a level 10 anxiety every day. Like it's, it's unsustainable. I wouldn't be able to do it. Um, It's a strange, it's as if, uh, I mean, your book is, is, you know, very much about this, about 
the incentive to create fear and suffering <laughs> like actually not just fear but actual suffering like i'm up to that part where they're getting pitched on basically like let's find what they suffer the most through and sell it like and yeah and maybe uh, i'll say <laughs> for anyone who's listening who hasn't yet read the book um it, it opens with a co-founder of a wellness startup tweeting something uh violent against Ivanka Trump and getting in big trouble for it. And so she's getting pushback online on Twitter, but she says, no, 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 this is good for us because the more women that are outraged, the more yeah. they want to join our wellness startup. So my book is in, in I think, think I'm satirizing a few things, but one of the things I'm kind of pointing to is the way, the way we're incentivized to be upset online because that, that, that gets views, you know, that gets clicks, outrage gets clicks. You, you delineate it in the book, like very specifically, you talk about the relationships and, you know, the strength of different relationships and how those turn into communities that anger, you know, people relating to other, to, to, to their shared anger is the closest, is the best community builder possible. <laughs> yeah, totally that you, true that you want to align yourselves with people who hate the same people you do that hate is hate is so much power more powerful than love yeah like you know? interest it's not like facebook groups that's why like facebook groups are not really a thing like except for these pockets that develop of fear and you know of, of negative energy I, I guess you actually built one of the few impactful like facebook groups through positive connections is would you say that i mean i don't know it's, no. a, it's a good question because i That's what, as i was saying it i was like is it though i don't know yeah. right for three years i ran a uh, private facebook group of women writers that and by the time i left in 2017 we had reached 40,000 members so it was a huge community but what i was most proud of is that i started a conference based on this online group and the conference is really what i'm proud of because i kind of built it from scratch we raised $50,000 on Kickstarter in three months and like put on a show in the barn and the barn Amazing. was Cooper union in New York city. So um, <laughs> we had sponsors and everything. So that was really cool. But the Facebook group, I think it was, so the name comes from what Mitt Romney said and and when he was running for binders president that he had binders full of women. So this was the binders full of women. I, every time I hear the phrase, I mean, I'll never forget the phrase. No, like anyone in their thirties at least, or, or above, we'll never forget that phrase. It's just, it's the best. It's so funny. Like, it's so that funny. Happens. And I think that's the, that's what we positioned ourselves against, right? Like yeah, we were against the patriarchy, these white men okay. so, who are so clueless, blah, blah, blah. And I think that can be really energizing and, and activating. Um, so we did have an opposition target. <laughs> okay. So, so it was, you know, it was following the, the text. Yeah. It's funny how Mitt Romney has pivoted and he's now like trying to be a hero from the other side of like, but it didn't really work. You know, like, Listen, <laughs> I would take Mitt Romney tomorrow. That's I what, would, that's, that's what he was thrilled. going for. I think, I think he realized that like his platform could just be, I'm not that guy. You know? <laughs> yeah, but I think he's like a conservative with ethics and a conscience. And yeah, like he's also a professional politician. Even though he's more of a finance guy, he's very, you know, he's got a resume. Like, I'll, I'll, I'll I, I'm with you. I'll take Mitt Romney in a second. Like, <laughs> yeah, there's so, so many alternatives I would take today that I would have, you know, would have yeah. thought of as a garbage person just a couple years ago. 
Right. I was even, I was in that party in 2016. I was on the never Trump. I didn't really, I was, whatever. We don't need to go. Wait, what do you mean that party? I listened to your interview with Natasha Stagg and you, you, I think, describe yourself as apolitical. I don't believe in ideology. So I think that politics are choices. Um, I, I think narcissism and, you know, in, in, in individualism are the most powerful forces on earth if used properly, but misused, they can be significantly destructive. Um, I believe that two people can't possibly share the same and any ideology, religion, pol- political belief, and you know, political party. Um, so, all of this is a farce. All of this is artificial. And I don't want to. I understand that other people need to team up and group. Uh, I don't live that way, and I work really hard to not live that way. And I know that this is me exercising my privilege, you know, in the biggest way of me being able to not require groups and associations to um, or or being able to leverage them in a way where I don't have to fully you know pledge allegiance to something like I don't have to be I, I I've dipped my feet into the water of groups a few times in my life in a way where I can contribute significantly and grow uh-huh. but limit it to that And what I realized, the way that I got to this, so it was more of an amorphous feeling of disconnect when I was younger. But what I realized over the last, you know, once I became, you know, like a a grown, you know, in the world was this pattern of going in and out of groups like that. Why did I do that? And I think the reason was I was because of this. So what I started, what I, okay, what I started to, emote about often was I would be associated with all these things that I didn't co-sign. And all of a sudden, you know, like there was it, it back in 2013 ish, like I was very, I was much more public. I removed myself, but when I was very public, I was always finding that like everyone got it wrong. And I was like, what the fuck? I'm not this person, you know, like I'm not uh, this music tech, blah, blah, blah. You know, all these, all these groups that I became a part of and I wasn't. I was and labels, just groups and labels. Labels, exactly. So yeah. I was like, so what the, the metaphor that I started to use, not really a metaphor, was like, yes, I totally like like these people doing this tech thing. I totally like these people doing this house music thing. I totally like these people, blah, 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 you know, et cetera, et cetera. But you're getting like, and and for those listening, not viewing, I'm like holding my hands up to to my face. Like you're getting like my eyes. And then you're filling in by association what my nose would look like or right. my forehead, you know, but, and those are my eyes. That is real. I'm not like I think like this is lying. a good metaphor. I think this works. But you can't say, oh, his, I see his eyes and his eyes are next to that guy's eyes. So his nose must look like that guy. You know, it goes into Judaism too, like obviously. And uh, that's what I started talking about a lot. So the way that I say, I, I'm not apolitical in the sense of like, I don't want to do stuff. I don't want to state my, I am just, I, I don't identify as a liberal or as a Democrat. I don't really give a shit. I don't even know what it fucking means. And I challenge anyone who does tell me what it means. When I was in college, I used to argue with people. I went to film school. I went to fucking liberal, a tiny liberal arts school. 
And people, this was George Bush time, and people would get up in class and bullshit about George Bush and talk shit about him. And I would say, my, my, I had the same thing for this is when I'm like 19. I would say, I don't know that much about this. I know about movies and I know about music. I don't know that much about this, but I do know enough to know that you don't know that much about this. And <laughs> that what you're saying does not apply in the, in the grandiose sense that you are applying it. And I only know enough to know that you are speaking with too much confidence on something that is invalid. And that's what I carry today, basically. Like, I know what I know. I know a few things. I'm super into them. I don't necessarily abide, I, I don't in, impose upon myself traditional methods to making change. You know, I hate the word change, like, because like, of the way we use it, like change the world. Uh, because change is not necessarily, you know, energy, change is just energy moves. Change is not necessarily productive. It's just, it's just what it is. Uh, so yeah, so like I challenge people, I, I remember during the Brett Kavanaugh hearings, I got in a lot of fights with people because I was vocally not participating. And I was speaking to my not non-participation because I did not feel it productive. I did not feel like I had anything to do with it. I could do anything about it. It was, it was decided. It was happening. Like getting really mad and setting an example and calling our Congress people. So I, I would have conversations with people like, so I, I was talking about making a film that was associated with that conversation, but it had nothing, but it all like about women, you know, and, and the position that he offended. And I would get in fights with people about how they were calling their congressperson three times a day, leaving voicemails to, you know, detest these decisions being made that were definitive, that were happening. And I was like, I'm not wasting my time with that because it's already happening. It's done. I'm going to go do something else. And I think my film is going to be way more impactful than your three phone calls a day that no one, you know, listens to. So in that sense, I'm, uh, you know, I would, I would say I'm not political the way that other people are. Yeah. But what I have, I have many responses. Right. I mean, that was like so much. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> but um, it's, I mean, your position is extremely radical right now. Yeah. The position. But I do so is, much. I just do it not necessarily by anyone else's orders. Yeah. And I, I totally respect that. I'm just commenting like objectively. I think it's radical what you're saying, because I feel like there's almost an assumption among millennial. I'm assuming you're a millennial. I'm a third. I'm, I'm 35. 35. Yeah. There so we we're the same age. So like there's an assumption that millennials are all progressive activists. Um, so I wrote November 6th, 7th, and 8th. Like people can go back on my medium. I wrote three days in a row. It wasn't mad about Donald Trump. I was at Kamala Harris's uh, inauguration, which was supposed to be Hillary's inauguration. And I wrote about that. Then I wrote about the next day where everyone started protesting. I was in Los Angeles. All my friends went to city hall and shit. And then I wrote about the next day of everyone yelling at me for yelling at them. I've been yelling at my liberal friends since this. I hate Donald Trump as much as anyone else does. I want this to stop. I fucking hate it. I speak out against a lot of the same things, but I do it very differently. And I also well, I, go to Nazi rallies. What? I, I've, gone, I've, take, I've gone to Nazi rallies. And you're Not, Jewish? Yeah. Okay. 
I'm labeling I've gone you, but you brought it up the first. Day, <laughs> uh, I don't care. I, I, I've gone during the day when all, with my liberal friends, and then I went back in the middle of the night. This was two weeks before Charleston uh, in New Orleans. And I went back in the middle of the night at 3 a.m. when they were all camped out. And I told them who I was. You know, I just walked up, like, innocently and asked them if they would talk. And I talked to all of them for, like, three hours. And it was super enlightening. I didn't, it, it didn't sway me. It didn't make me identify with them, but it made me understand why we're fighting in these ways. Yeah, yeah. So, so with my book, which is about the wellness industry, there's, there's these layers. And the first layer that everyone gets is that I'm making fun of goop. So everyone gets that I'm making fun of the dogma of the wellness industry, that if you're a woman, you're, the work of self-improvement is never done, right? You might have the best body and the best hair, but there's always more to be done. Like, what about your gut health? You got to work on your gut health. <laughs> right. um, your microbiome. <laughs> your microbiome. You got to keep that stuff healthy. So everyone gets that. But I'm, I'm making fun of dogma of other kinds. I'm making fun of the, the extremism of the far left and, and some of the extremes of, of wokeness. And you haven't read the end of the book yet, but I, one of the things I'm doing with the book is asking myself, how far will someone go in the name of social justice? In the name of doing the right thing, how far will someone go? Because I think it can- Really um, crazy far. Like. Corrupt your mind. And so what I think is lacking, and I think you and I would agree on this point, is like I, I sometimes think on the left, there's like a lack of humility and curiosity. It's, we just think that we know and they don't. And I have these conversations all the time about, but what if, like, how do I just let them know that they're like a bad person? And I'm like, right, what? Right. Like, that's not, so that's why I bring up this Nazi example. They're, they don't, these people don't call themselves fucking Nazis. They don't call themselves anti-Semites. They don't call themselves any of these things. We do. Right, 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 right. of course. <laughs> so th that, that's what, uh, you know. I, I, I'm very outspoken on my Instagram and I get a shitload of DMs of like these kinds of conversations. And a lot of it is, you know, how do I approach this conversation with someone who's, you know, clearly crazy, not interested in finding a solution? Like what? Like, what do you think? Do you think these people are aliens? Like, no, you're in your fucking bubble. I've noticed is in the wake of the 2016 election or maybe even leading up to it, I was hearing a lot of like, talk to your Republican uncle or whatever, have conversations, have dialogue, talk to people in red states, talk to the people mm -hmm. you know. Now it's like excommunicate anyone you know that does not believe the correct things, right? They're, the correct things. That's right. Um, the, the, the liberals think that, yeah. So, so this is what, like people can go back to like 2016. I said, I, I said all this, like it is not right and wrong, it's conflict. Mm -hmm. I don't believe in right and wrong. I don't believe in good and bad. Same, you know, with the, with the ideology thing that you asked mm -hmm. me, like, I don't believe in, I just believe people have conflicts and they make decisions. People make decisions and they come into conflict. I have these neighbors in New York city. They're terrible to me. My landlord, terrible to me. I'm getting rid of this beautiful townhouse because of that. I don't think they're bad people. I think we are people who have made different decisions and our decisions have come into conflict. Yeah. I and once I, I have to eject to resolve that. I once met this man who um was retired but he worked as a um professional mediator within a corporation so whenever there was oh, wow. were disputes they would bring it to this guy that was his job. And he told me that there you have to first diagnose the dispute. Is it a values-based argument or is it a fact-based argument? 
And sometimes people are trying to resolve value-based disagreements using facts, but you can't win that way. Uh, that's, that's such a good way to frame it. Yeah. Like you, you, I find myself reacting to people often saying you're calling something a fact that's not a fact necessarily and definitely not to the other person you're talking to. That was like my experience with these when I went to this, you know, quote, you know, a white supremacist quote rally. Mm -hmm. They were like, when I ask them why they're there, it's you get an entire. I asked my liberal friends who were leading these marches against them. I was with I was with the leaders of the marches, and they explained to me why we were doing this. And then I asked the other side, and they had an entirely different perspective. Like we, they were fighting each other. And they had no idea what the other was saying even. Mm -hmm. So we're talking facts and like, and even the values are off because these people are not, you know, they're like, we don't care about black people. Like we're just, you know, we're, this isn't a racist thing. Like we don't give a shit. They're like, you're Jewish. Like, okay, cool. I've actually never met a Jew before, but like, you seem like a cool guy. Like literally that was the conversation. That's so interesting too, right? They don't even know any Jews. They were like, I've never, they were like, this is literally the first time in my life that I've ever spoken to a Jew. Cause like, they also are always yelling at me. <laughs> They're like, this is the first time I've ever like had a normal, like I haven't really met anyone proper, but like, this is the first time I've ever spoken to one who's actually like asked me a question. But I think in, this is another way that the internet exacerbates our divisions because we mm -hmm. keep getting sorted into these echo chambers. So like right. everyone I follow on Twitter is like yelling, like wear your mask. And I'm like, you're yelling at everyone who's already exactly, wearing a mask. Yeah. We're I already think I wearing literally it. posted this a few weeks ago. I, I, I was like, I was like starting to write about that. And then I was like, wait a second, like all of my people do this already. So like, what am I, you know? Am I just, I'm just sealing the walls of my echo chamber with more lining, you know? <laughs> right. Right. Oh, sorry. My pool guy is here. Um, I, the biggest thing that I have to say to you about all of this is I don't think your book's a satire at all. And I don't think it's dark. <laughs> your book is a dark satire. No, it's not. You're just describing people. Unless the second half goes crazy and they start to kill people and shit, but like, I'm not there yet. But so far, halfway through the book, I think I'm like, I'm like at the midway point. Uh, there's no satire to me. I know fucking Mickey Agrawal. Like, like I know these people. Like, this is not satire. I, I, I know the quotes. Like, I've, I've heard all these things said to me. Like, <laughs> yeah. Well. When it when it sold to a, my publisher Penguin, it was sold as American Psycho in a Goop universe, and I posted that to Instagram, and someone commented and said like, "Oh, is someone murdered with a jade egg?" And I was like, oh, that's "Ah, oh, that's such hilarious. a good idea. I didn't think of." But there is no murder. <laughs> there is no murder in my book. I say there, but there's women uh, behaving badly on the internet, and there's women hurting other women in the name of being feminists. So I think that's. Um, that's what I'm trying to skewer and poke fun of is these people that are self-righteous and think they're better than other people harming each other. You're, you're skewering, but you're not satirizing, you know, sat like, like Patrick Bateman doesn't exist. He's a fantasy, but Devin and Marin are, they are real people. I even think that you could go further, you know, like, uh, I, I Again, like whatever, like like most of them, I don't like. Mickey knows how I feel, so I don't. I don't really care about like talking shit. But like, um, like she did way worse. I mean, I'm, again, I'm halfway through the book, but like, 
the, the, the kind of quotes before Me Too happened and people had to shut up, the kind of shit that was said out loud was your book is, is definitely like totally normal. Well, you're also, you're also coming from the world. Like I got a DM from someone who was a female founder who started her own company. And she was uh-huh. like, she was like, I'm throwing your book on the floor, like laughing so hard. She was like, how do you know yeah. all this? Yeah. yeah. Um, which is really, it's, it's flattering to me as a writer that I got it right. Um, oh yeah, but, totally. But how do you know Mickey? I would love to hear this story. I know all these people. I mean, I was just like, this I mean, is whatever this you're comfortable saying. Wait, but tell me. I don't more care. About I it. fucking. I mean, I like. Uh, I read your article. You know, your Medium post. Everyone. Uh, I'll, I'll. I'll like put links in the description and whatever. But um, Lee wrote a wrote a Medium post about is this the end of Girl Boss? I think was the title, right? Something like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and it you know talks about Sophia Amoroso and Ty Haney and and Mickey. Um, yeah, I mean, fuck all this shit. Like, uh, <laughs> Sophia Amoroso, you know, I'll, I'll give the, the really quick. Um, it's, it's a hype cycle. And what she does is she pumps resources into spiking uh, something, anything, doesn't matter what, you know, hot sauce, in this case, denim or, you know, hairbands or makeup, whatever. You get a spike and then with that spike, you time it to go talk to money people. And you say, look at all this, in, all this awareness that we got. Look what we did with just, you know, with just blah, blah, blah. Like this, many, you know, and they show all the ratios and the follower counts and the engagement. Like blah, we're blah, a blah. scrappy underdog and look what we did. Exactly. Yeah. And really, they paid for all of that. But the spike is the spike and, it, and the spike is real. And, the, and the, the peak numbers are real. So they show that to someone and they say, if we get this backing, we could do even more. And this is our next plan. And then she gets the backing and then they do the next one and it works, but they've paid. So now it went from 10 to 20, let's say, you know, and then they right. do it again. They raise more money. And now, now they hit 50. What I'm just making up random, you know, scale. But um, every time they do that, so it, it shifts. So the 10 was the first campaign, then the 20, Second campaign, self-sufficient campaign, fully funded. Then the 50 is its own campaign. By the time you get to 100 to one, you know, by the time you get to four or five, six campaigns in, you have long since done anything on those earlier campaigns. So if you launched your company with denim, let's say, and by the time you're at, 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 at dresses, okay, like five, five products down, denim has long, there's nobody talking. There's no more ads being bought for denim. There's there's no positioning in the shops. The wholesale orders are long gone because the wholesale is not getting, you are selling to stores that are not buying again because they have not sold their stock. So you're not getting new orders in. So you hit 150, let's say, but you are now funding to get to 150 and you have a little bit of a, of, of a margin there, maybe a 20%, 30% margin because these companies do not operate with good margins. I'm being generous by saying 20, 30%. They're probably more <laughs> at 10% on the, one that they uh, pay for. When you're at an under, you know, 60% margin and you're also no longer getting the revenue from the first five campaigns and those still take some budget. Now your overhead all of a sudden is matched by these big campaigns and you're not, and all this other you just need more passive more money is gone. The whole thing afloat. So she just, what, what, what are you left with? You're left with a shitload of followers you're left with a big name 
and a book deal and a speaking engagement deal with a company that's about to go bankrupt. And that's literally what happened. The company went bankrupt and she is still with, you know, whatever CAA or whoever she's with makes millions of dollars on speaking engagements, book deals, whatever, but it's all, it's all bullshit. She used the investment on her company to make herself a celebrity to go. This is what uh, Tom's shoes did also Blake Mykoski fucking bastard. Like, you know, he did it with a 501 C three and was it no? It was a B Corp, wasn't it? Oh, am I wrong? I, totally possible. I don't know, but but just a charity, you know. He, yeah, he did yeah. It under the guys, Girl Boss and uh, Nasty Gal are a for-profit company. Uh, yep. You know, they are selling things, but uh, Tom's Shoes was supposed to be for the good of the world. Um, and you know, now that story has been outed many times over that no one needed those shoes in Africa, and the end result of it was putting parents who made shoes out of jobs. Because if you go to Africa, if anyone goes to Africa, you cannot wear Tom's shoes. There is no floor, no, no, no city in Africa where you could wear Tom's shoes for more than an hour. They get ripped up uh, the, the way you walk around in Africa the, with, with, with gravel or dirt. You can't wear Tom's shoes in gravel or dirt. Um, anyway, so, but Tom, Tom's shoes is left with Blake Mykoski, who's a celebrity. Uh, what else? I mean, Mickey Agrawal, like... I don't know. I could, I'll give a personal story. Um, I knew them like they would like sleep at my house, like really close. And I remember our friend Dan Friedenberg died um, who worked for Google. And it was like, it was a very, it was, it was this like beautiful moment. Tons of people came to San Francisco for the memorial. I put on the party for it. And um, the next day it was like one of the, it was, it was, it was horrifying how he died and it was beautiful, like gathering of everyone. And I, I wrote them this like five page letter afterwards because the next morning I was like, just, you know, we're getting breakfast and I talked to Mickey and muchas gracias, adios. Um, and she, she didn't know that I like worked, that, that she, she like didn't know anything about me. After, like, we had known each other for, like, five years at that point, and literally, like, they sleep at my house. Like, we're, like, that level of friends. Like, and I was talking about, like, my record label. Or so she was, like, what's going on, blah, blah, blah. And I, I said something about the label, which is, like, my, my life. And she, just, she was, like, oh, I didn't know. I thought you just DJed, like, parties and stuff. And I was, like, what? Like, I, I, they, they had, at this point, like, I had helped them out with investment on one of their companies. And, like, she was so unaware of, like, major parts of my life yeah and i so i put daybreaker together for them and removed my name and wrote them this letter about why and they're just culture you know Wait, cultural is daybreaker that thing that you go and you dance in the morning yeah so i love brimer but i have problems with you know mickey and rada and they just like so i i was you know it was the three of us and then i removed myself because i didn't it was just like they were stealing but you were one of the creators of that i i don't want to like you don't want to claim it claim, yeah i don't want to okay, claim okay. that first of all i removed myself from any role okay. uh I'll, I'll say it this way the brimer it was it was brimer's thing i put all the pieces together and okay. kind of like the three of us it, i it would have been the three of us if i i, I yeah I, I, I removed myself, but Got it. I 
DJed the first one, booked the first one. I did everything. I put, I produced everything. You know, I did it um, for the first many, the first like ten. I don't know. Um, but I, they, they, they don't give money to the right people. They, you know, they're stealing ideas from people, making it like it's novel and new. And this is really like gay black men who did this to survive. Literally, they had nowhere to gather and they had nowhere to be themselves. And they did this in the you know, 70s and 80s. Like, this is not new. Uh-huh. And then we're, we're stealing their ideas. You know, this is house music. This is the foundation of house music. And we're stealing their ideas, charging a lot of money, booking exclusively, you know, like new white, like Burning Man adjacent, you know, community DJs for no money. Also, You're, they're not even paying those people. Uh, they're making crazy margins, not paying fucking anybody. And um, they were giving no, they were claiming the ideology, the story that like, they were giving nothing back to the community that actually, so they were stealing the ideas, pretending that the ideas weren't already there and they wouldn't hire anyone from those communities because it wasn't cool. It wasn't, uh, they didn't want to hire like a, you know, 45 year old, like amazing legendary black DJ mm-hmm. who invented this thing. They wanted to hire the like 26 year old hot girl, you know, so mm-hmm. Mickey and Rada became the DJs themselves. And wow. You know, yeah. I don't know much about this. So this is interesting to me. This is what everyone did. So, I mean, I ejected myself from like that whole world because all of this like whole foundership thing, all whole entrepreneurship thing. I mean, you write about it, you know, you nail it. Like all these people, it's all just cult of personality. It's all just self-fulfilling prophecies. It's all just a hype cycle and it just goes in circles and they're fucking horrible. Like I hate all these people. And I, I I, I've actually about, never like, heard that phrase. Hype. I wish I had interviewed you when I was writing the book. Hype cycle. <laughs> I don't know that phrase. Um, I mean, I'm, I, it's not, I don't think it's like a technical phrase or anything. No, just, it can be your phrase. That's what it is. But it's you know? a perfect. I know they exactly what you mean. They create a hype cycle that, you know, there's, there's 10 bros who, and some of them happen to be female bros, but very few of them, <laughs> uh, who tell you, oh, you got to talk to this guy. Oh, you got to talk to this guy. Oh, you got to talk to this guy. And that keeps going. And everyone in the cycle gets the things. So it's just, and, and that goes forever. Let's talk more about gender because this is interesting. When I wrote my girl boss piece, one of the things I say is like, you know, during the fall of Me Too, our attention was on these bad men. The bad men were all around us. The bad men were hurting women. It's all I talked about with my friends. Um, And then I say, you know, just because you- Talk about your article because- for pe- for anyone listening who hasn't read the article, like yeah, so I kind of um, write about girl boss culture as starting with Sheryl Sandberg's Lean In um, book. So it's all about self empowerment. It's like if we're going to change the system, it starts with me working on myself as a people pleaser um, and just being you know going after it. Um, and I think Sophia Amoroso comes out of this. Um, and now we're reaching kind of the end of the girl boss with the fall of women like Audrey Gelman who resigned from The Wing. Um, Leandra Cohen had to post something on Man Repeller, and then she resigned. That's a different situation. Just, I just want to flag uh, with Leandra, and I know the Leandra situation, unfortunately, way too well. Um, I'm not going to comment on that, but I'm just going to flag Leandra's different than a lot of these other people that we're talking about. But That's I can't, fine. I can't I don't... like say my privy information about her. But I, <laughs> I, I like Leandra. <laughs> I don't, I don't know any of these women. So I'm writing about this phenomenon as an observer and an outsider and um, 
one of the things that happened after I wrote this piece is I started getting DMs that were like, please come write about my workplace. My workplace is so bad. Will you write about me? And I'm just not, I'm not a journalist. I'm a novelist and a poet. I, I create mm -hmm. art about this stuff, um, but I'm an observer. But what I was going to say about gender is that um, in the part of the piece where I talk about how you can't just put a woman in charge of a company and, and she's going to naturally be more ethical than a man. And so then I wrote about some things like Mickey Agrawal who got in trouble um, when she was running thinks for sexually harassing her, allegedly sexually harassing some of her employees. Um, Ty Haney, some of her employees have complained about her at Outdoor Voices. But the interesting thing is that my editor was a woman on the piece and she came to me to write it. And then her editor was a man. And, and before the piece was published, he said, be careful here. He didn't want me to write. He didn't want me to compare abusive female bosses to abusive male bosses. And I kind of had to massage that paragraph. But once the piece oh, this came, goes even deeper. Yeah. Okay. Once the piece came out, of course, I heard from all these women that were like, yeah, I worked for an abusive female boss. So my point is that women can abuse their power in the workplace. Oh, too. hell yeah. Well, that, that's, women that's saints. why I loved your article so much. Like, <laughs> but when you just said like female bros or whatever you just said, that yeah, was so funny. Like, they do the same things. So does that like, make them a bro? <laughs> like, I, are I'm we equating? Bro to I know. Describe behavior. So, so, so bro culture is, you know, is, is an offshoot of frat culture, which is we're going to take care of our own. And that's yes. what these entrepreneurs do. The whole entrepreneur fallacy is not, these aren't even entrepreneurs. These are opportunists. These are self-promoting opportunists who are creating ecosystems, communities. You know, we use this word community and we create this fallacy that everyone requires these communities. So we, we leverage the loneliness aspect of this we made people need to leave their homes and write in a coffee shop because they can't write at home or something like, well, that makes no sense. So then you don't want to be surrounded by just random coffee shop people. You want to be surrounded by people who are at, you know, at WeWork or something like, like that has value. Like I, fucking ridiculous. You know, that's the wing. Like, the wing is a better idea, actually, but not, as you described, not executed at all in the ways that would be valuable. But yeah, it's just, it's all, why I said bro is it, it's just people taking care of their, of their people who take care of them. And that's yeah. the cycle that I speak of. So the, the priority of why, you know, the, the entrepreneur that we refer to is not, we're not talking about Babson College. We're not talking about an, a school for entrepreneurship where people learn how to balance books and how to scale the business in a certain way and how to work with a, you know, with it, with an F, with an O, with an M, with the different C levels of your corporation and stuff like that. That's not what we're talking about. That's not the makeup of an entrepreneur. What this entrepreneur means is a person who identifies opportunities in markets and gets themselves in a position to reap the benefits of it. That's it. And, and that's what makes you quote an entrepreneur, a founder is just a person who's able to identify the market and insert yourself into it. And the way that you do that is with these relationships. So it becomes this cyclical thing and, 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 and it doesn't let others in. Mm. So, you know, the way that you, um, you know, compare the, you know, your Marin like is, is yeah. Like, unless she teams up with Mickey with Devin, right? She right, doesn't right. get to, she doesn't get in. You have to team. And I was in, 
So I, I, I know this, like I was in and I was the guy that was always getting these offers. And I was like, why? Like, what? Like, you're calling me for this? Like, and I didn't do it because I, I just, I'm, I'm weird. I, like, I, I'm self-destructive in this way. I was just on another call funny, like about like how I, like all the money that I should have taken and <laughs> like, all the one, per, like all the points I should have on all these places that instead I was just like, that really just like I could have consulted for a point to be on a call once a month, you know, and, and it just, rather than thinking about building my portfolio, I was just like, it just, none of it made sense. I was just like, this company shouldn't exist. Like what, you know, so even though I was in that, that's why you get in so that you continue to get a piece of everything. So they don't actually like want my opinion. They just want me on their deck and they want me to make introductions for them and to other people who are in. So I was at the dinner and they want someone, they want to have someone on their board or on their fucking advisory committee who's also invited to the dinner. So, mm-hmm. so, I, so I'm at the dinner and that entitles me to 1% of fucking any tech company basically, or, you know, smaller share depending on what round, but I'm at the, I'm at the Uber founders dinner and that's it. So I was at that stage. I, you know, I, I'm at the Malibu house of, of the biggest VC and mm-hmm. people know that. So they'll give me whatever. And Don't what do you they- think that it's also the, the ethics and values and uh, incentive structure of startup culture that says scale as fast as possible that also kind of creates this culture of- Definitely, yeah. Of, you know, like some, someone DM'd me and said, um, I can't post this publicly, but I also work at a company that had no HR department and no maternity leave. And so, oh, which, yeah. is, which is a character in my, the third character, Khadija in my book. Yeah. Um, but she said, like, I would just say for anyone that works at a startup, like learn your own labor laws because your startup may not have an HR department. Your startup may have a, you know, head of talent or whatever euphemistic uh, title they give uh, the person in charge of hiring. But- yeah, I mean, we get into like the capitalist aspect of, you know, startup culture, which I'm probably less black and white on in mm-hmm. my, you know, in my opinion of that, like. It, that that's kind of like if you are that like anyone is free to go start a company and build it incrementally yeah like if you don't because because you look at because you read all these books of like ben horowitz or something like that and you want to grow 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 or you read fucking tim ferris i don't know like i hate all these books um <laughs> don't read these fucking books. <laughs> uh, like, if you do that, that's on They're you. filled with hacks, of. right? They're like, don't yeah. do it this way. Do the hack version of it. Yeah, exactly. Totally, totally. So, like, if you read those books and you get intoxicated with them and that's how you live your life and that's how you operate your business, like, that's not, so- that's not a, um, a battle that I'm, like, backing you up on kind of thing like there's like this stuff that i'm passionate and i'm like down to fight over is different like if you read the ben horowitz book and you got swayed into turning into grow 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 or something like that and that, not he's not necessarily I mean, he's just a random name it could be any fucking one of these books but that certainly contributes but i don't i don't like have a problem with capitalism like i don't have a problem with someone who wants to make a huge billion dollar company i don't care like that's totally fine mm-hmm. I have a problem with the, the nonsense of it, with the, the value 
proposition. There is no like, just it's it's just a cycle. It's just a churn of nothing being sold to something else for nothing with someone taking a percentage. So mm-hmm. that's like the Sophia Amoroso. Like it's like the best example I can think of of how the hype cycle works is she's getting paid a bunch of money every time that money is raised. She's taking some and she's becoming powerful with it, which is more valuable and 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 famous. So that is the goal for all these people is not to build so these companies that they're building they're not they they're not uh, a, uh they're, they're not it's their prerogative if they want to make the company actually worth anything right they don't have to right 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 all they have to do is just get it into the cycle get it into the mix Right. And this is like what I would say, like writing my book was like the story, the emperor has no clothes. It's, it's like, we all, can, yeah, totally. We're like, Sophia Moroso, like what is behind that? Like what's behind nothing. the curtain? Nothing. There's nothing there. What is the leftover? Literally. So th- that's why I always use that example. It literally went bankrupt. Like it's not it, like, I don't need to it metaphor has no it. Value. It yeah, yeah. actually went bankrupt. Not because they're, you know, they weren't capitalized, because there was no, you know, net value. That's what bankrupt right. means. It doesn't mean you stopped selling any, it doesn't mean it went away. It means that you built a company with, you know, you paid to build a company. Yeah. And we have created a system whereby paying, getting other people to pay to build your company, even if it's worth nothing, is worth something to the entrepreneur. And that's why your book exists. <laughs> Because Devin doesn't really care what Evan's life is like. Right, right, right. But what would I, Sean, if I was going to get you to invest in my imaginary company, what what could my imaginary company be that I would come to you and you would look at it and you'd be like, yeah, I think I would invest in this. Like, what would that have to be? Do you? Do I tell you I'm going to change the world? (laughs) are, Are you? Well, I mean, I literally have like my own startup that I put on hold because of this because I I did it quietly and I started raising money and then my reaction to people was like yo I've read those same fucking startup books stop talking to me like that like this is stupid like and and I just refused your bullshit meter is too attuned now like it's yeah like I've already been there like yeah like I I laid out what I was going to do and what I wasn't going to do I said I'm not going to call the uber guys I said we're not doing that like not I'm not anti those I love those guys actually those are my friends I was like like, like during this time, there was, we were fundraising and I was in Japan with like the guy who exited Fox and the founder of Uber. And they were like, you have like, what the fuck? And I was like, I Is told this you- a music related venture or can you say? You no, can't say. Uh, I'll tell music. you offline, but I just okay, don't okay. want to um, publicize it. It's not, not like it's a secret. It's just like, I'll decide when I talk about it, I guess. Sure. But, um, but I'm happy to tell you offline. Um, but there's a different, so, so your question can be split into two. What's a good investment yeah. with money? And what do I want to exist in the world? Um, as far as an investment money-wise, I would, you know, I, I, don't, I don't know. That's like, it can be anything because I'm, uh, I'm not staying this way forever. So I removed myself from all of this a few years ago. Like I left, after I left Apple and like, I just, I, I left everything. And now my life is like, centered on on art and making films and music and and things that I care about in that way that require money so 
I totally plan to money's going to have a different meaning to me a year from now. Mm -hmm. Like I'm working with a film fund right now that, you know, makes things possible. Like mm -hmm. I got the art down. So if, if I can do the money thing in a way that makes sense for me, that allows me to go do to the, support art thing, the art, right. I'm cool with it. Exactly. Yeah, so, yeah, totally. So that's why I split your question in two. Like if you came to me with what, with, with a bro investment, if you came with to me with a deck full of, you know, all the people, all the bros, um, well, first of all, I'd look at it differently today because of COVID. I think it's changed how the, the power of the bros, like I have some bros who are on all those decks that I know, like, I don't want to see on any more deck. I, I know that they're full they're, I'm not going to name them, but like, there's like, you know who they are and like their company is going to fucking go away because the value system is shifting because of COVID. But um, no, if you, if you pitched me on something that was like, just with the right circle of people, because I now have a different value of money, mm. I would, I would do it. Um, as far as what I care about in the world, I care about very few products. Um, I think that I've said for a while that like disruption is bullshit. Disruption is a, is a negative word, not a positive word. Um, it, disruption was really valuable from 1999 to like 2007 maybe, but that's over and we built the things and we now need to build support systems for the things and dispersion systems, democratization systems. That's what I did at Apple that, and why I'm not there anymore because I couldn't continue to do it. I, I, we failed. Um, I want to democratize the sharing of information and media and, you know, financially, I want the internet to be able to use, to be used to empower creators, not to consolidate. Um, mm. So anything that, that fits in that range, like band, like Bandcamp is a startup that like, I would love to stuff like that. Like I want that to exist, but there's not a lot. Um, yeah. other than that, it's making things, it's art, it's like films and uh, books and, you know, projects. Here's another question that connects what you just said with, with what we were talking about politics earlier. Mm -hmm. Something that I'm thinking a lot about lately is I am an artist because I'm a nonconformist. You know, since I was a teenager, I dropped out of high school. Like I don't like institutions. Like I want to be different. I try to define myself against things. Um, I don't want to believe the same things other people believe just be part of the group. And I don't want to write Total the same books vibes. that other people write. <laughs> yeah. So, and I feel like there's like a missing counterculture. Um, I, I'm reading up a lot about like music in the early nineties. I'm reading a lot about Riot Girl music and like how they were Oof. creating something out of nothing. You know, they were mm -hmm. like, Oh, we could start a band. I'll just like learn three chords and then we can have a band. Um, and they would like do shows in people's basements. There was just such a spirit of DIY Punk, yeah. that is inspiring to me today because I feel like everything, like now, if you're I an gotta artist, send you the essay that I wrote like two months please ago. Please do. Because it's but about But now you have, to, you have to monetize. Even if you're an artist, you have to think, how can I sell this? How much can I sell this for? Even people on their tweets, they say, here's a link to my PayPal if you enjoyed my tweet. And I'm, and oh, I- wow. Do you I don't like? See <laughs> I see I, that for only for only uh, only fans, but not for like you know. Writers. Oh yeah, if a tweet goes viral, yeah, it's like here's a here's oh, a wow. link. I see so, that for like cam girl kind of things, but that's it. Like, but I have this like longing for counterculture and just like thinking about nonconformity and how that fits into art yeah. making today. So, I my answer to that is horizontal. It's 
through diversifying your kind of identifying. Okay. First realize that first realize two things. One, you formally, you can do anything today because of the internet. You could do it. You, you don't, you could go produce music. You could write a novel. You could do it in the, back in the day, you know, you needed a typewriter, you needed a printing press, you needed a publisher to mail, you needed trucks to physically bring things places, you know, all that stuff. I don't need to delineate that further. Now I could make a movie could on my anything. iPhone. Exactly. Bam. You get an idea, you could make it tomorrow. So you could do anything you want. Second, you can be in contact with anyone you want. I read your article and I DM'd you. That's, we yeah. don't know each other. We, like this is the first time we're talking face to face. We DM'd a little bit before, but like that's it. Uh, you know, I Google you, you Google me. We learn a little bit and like then we're talking. This was a week ago. Um, so you could do anything and you could talk, to, you could connect with anybody. So once threshold is crossed, I think that it's, it's about learning what each vertical is for you and scaling it to its comfort zone mm. and then thinking horizontally. And horizontally means new vertical or new connection. And so you write exactly the book that you want to write. You don't have to, I, I think that this time is over of like virality and stuff like that. So previously the vertical version of it is, okay, cool. You got these skills, you know, with writing and you have these ecosystems that you, you know, communities or, or audience that you speak to demographics. And how do we get you to the top of that? That's what ritual does in your book. You know, they think about this demographic and they want to own the most of it that they possibly can. They speak about demographics in the book about how no one is putting, uh, no brands are putting ad budgets into the traditional networks. They're all going niche. How do we own as much of those niches and to the biggest uh, multiple? That's what their business model is. That's old. That th this book was written is now a period piece for 2017. <laughs> <laughs> you know? it, 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 it literally takes place a year in 2017. Yeah, yeah. Uh -huh. yeah. um, or back and forth, 2016, 2017. But uh, today, you can't do that, even if you wanted to. I was the fucking king of that shit. That's why I got my Apple job. I was so good at taking just like like any song that I could identify as like, oh, this fits. I could pump it into my machine and I could get 5 million hits like in 48 hours on any, if I told you it was going to, like I could listen to it and I could say, yes, I could do, I, I could tell you how many hits it was going to get. And I knew how to do it. And I would plug it in and I had built it all. And a lot, I wasn't the only one. Uh, I was probably the fucking best. That's why Apple hired me. But, <laughs> <laughs> but that is done. Even if I wanted to do it, like I have this podcast and like, I'm not marketing it. I'll, 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 I'll do some marketing later. Like, I don't feel appropriate. I don't feel comfortable doing like a big marketing push right now. But like five years ago, I would get a hundred thousand listens on this day one because of my emails. And, and that, that alone. And now it's like, it, so what has changed? That, Tell me what's different. The, the information is consolidated. So you are either, you know, you're in the top thing or you're not, you're either Netflix or you have to be just exceptional. There's, there's two categories and that's it. You're Netflix or your niche. And it's not even Spotify. It's not even New York Times bestseller list. It's really like Netflix is so much more powerful than other industries. Um, but unless you are in that, there, there used to be more than 10 
you know, there used to be a few hundred big things. Like you could be rich by getting into, by scaling vertically, but that's, that's not even, you know, Kehlani, who's like a pop star. She's not rich. Like, I don't even know who that is. <laughs> there you go. Like she's not, she's not cross porn, cross, cross platform. No one knows who she is, but she's, 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 you know, top 50 pop star. I would so say. So you're saying Beyonce is Beyonce because Beyonce is horizontal. That Beyonce, Beyonce is a filmmaker, has transcended. a musician. A- Beyonce is both, but um, let me distill. Sorry. I, I, I get into my examples. I, I apologize. But to distill that, the vertical still exists, but it's very limited. You can only a few people get to go vertical. Justin Bieber, Drake, a, a few people. There's a few writers that go vertical and have success going vertical. Very, very few. I'm talking under 10. You yeah, know? Stephen King. Used to, Stephen yeah. King, yeah. yeah like yeah. There, were, there were a few hundred uh, five years ago, but now no matter how viral your book goes, you're not going to make a lot of money, period. Yeah. Like, like it's just like, like the, you're going to be the Mary Trump book or like, you're not like right right you're either going to do 950k out of the box or you're going to do 50k you know and like well what i was told when i I worked in book publishing and i was told a publisher publishes 10 books one makes money one breaks even eight lose money for the publisher and and the the author participates in one of those eight (laughs) yeah yeah absolutely (laughs) absolutely so the publisher does okay in the end, the net net. That's why they operate a business. But the author ends up with, you know, a, uh, a Substack email newsletter. And, and that's, but so, uh, so that strategy is, is over. Even if you can achieve it, even if you can go goop level, you know, you don't make money anymore. So don't do it. Make the book that you want to make. And then I think, you know, so for me, it's I'm making the music that I want to make. I used to be able to like get music on charts and I don't think I can do that anymore. So I don't think I want to do that anymore. Um, so I'm making the music I want to make. I'm making the clothes I want to make. I'm making the films I want to make. I'm doing the show I want to do. I'm not pandering to anything and I'm going to build my own ecosystem and the audience, I'm going to have thousands of fans instead of millions of fans, but they're going to be across different verticals that I keep a certain uh, cadence, artistic merit to, you know, whatever, like just me. And I collaborate with people who do things that I like. And, and, and that's the, the show is like, I see it as like the center of my universe and all these other things are the outreach. Um, but for you, I see it as like you, you know, how, how, does, how does one make self-care into – like, don't market self-care and think like, oh, you're going to get it to 950K. Like, sell whatever you're going to sell. You got Penguin. That's awesome. Like, that, like check. You, you checked that variable, that, that vertical already. Now, think about the movie. Right. Think about the uh, essay collection that you curate with 12 other authors who are going to, it's going to be like a sort of offshoot of self-care. The self-care phenomenon was so crazy and got so much chatter on the internet. I recruited all these other authors that I love to, to make a follow-up and now you cross market it with all of them and that then you get exposure to. So you have your sub stack that is $7.99 a month and you have 800 subscribers and Natasha Stag has 800 subscribers and you know, you do that times 10 and yeah, then yeah. you're all pushing each other and then you get another 25, you know, and like, that's, a, that's when it goes straight into your pocket, that's actually solid. 
and you do things like that repeatedly. So, and then you make, you know, an indie film and then it's at Sundance and you go and you are at the Q and A and, um, that's another hundred. And then Phoebe Waller-Bridge is like, I like your dress. And then I'm like, I like your dress. And then you are writing on the next whatever flea bag is. And now all of a sudden <laughs> you're employed by Amazon as a screenwriter, you know? Right, right, right. That's life, I think. That's, that's No, I think you're totally right. Things. And in, the, in my book, Publishing Media Industry, like I am paying more and more I'm paying for Substacks and I'm paying for Patreons to support independent creators because media is collapsing. I mean, media is, yeah. traditional media as we knew it is going away. Like how many Phoebe Waller, there's, there's two of them this year. There's, you know, Issa Rae and Phoebe Waller-Bridge. Like, I, I butchered, <laughs> but you know, like even Michaela Cole I was gonna say, is what about not Michaela on their Cole? level, but, well, but not on that level. Give her a second. I, I, Oh no, to me, she's far above both of those. I think, you know, uh, Insecure and Fleabag are not even one-tenth what uh, I May Destroy You is. I May Destroy You is the transcendent work of our year, I consider. But I don't know, you know, like I talk about sexual assault daily pretty much, given like how vocal I am about it. I probably talk, yeah, I probably have like four or five conversations a week about that and no one watches the show that i know i don't know one well, person watching the out. show i know but it's it's on like why people should be watching and I've i, seen, I tweet I've about seen the it first episode so all far. the time that's all i've seen so i've watched the whole thing it's transcendent it's fucking amazing it's the best treatment of this topic i've ever watched wow but no one knows about it so that's what that's what i'm saying you know but so she writes a book. She does a speaking engagement tour. She makes another movie. She yeah. acts in tons of other movies. You know, she, I May Destroy You is what it is. Mm -hmm. So, you know, self-care is what it is. You don't need to hit any specific, you, you already hit the things, like just, just make the sentence really good. Penguin, these quotes, like done. I don't, no one's going to look at how many sales you have. I don't know. I, I literally don't know. I don't give a shit but you got Penguin and you have these associations mm -hmm. and like it checks the box. Now it opens up the next one, you know? Right. I'm so right. happy you're into Michaela. She's the best. Wow. Do you know her? No. Oh. I just watch. No, I need to, I need to finish watching it. Um, cause oh that is so good. I May Destroy You came up in a review of my book, actually. They compared the, cause you're, I don't know if you're at the part of the novel yet, but there's, there's some sexual assault allegations in my novel that are coming Now, Trump's people, Secret Service just showed up. Okay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Don't tell me anything. Don't ruin it. I'll, I'm going to read it, like, probably tonight. But, but that's... Yeah, I think even my girl boss essay is an example of the phenomenon you described. Like, I'm not going to get rich off my girl boss essay, but it, it brought thousands of people to my work. Exactly. And, and you timed it with this other thing that's happening a week later you know <laughs> yeah yeah i got lucky i got lucky on the timing with this was it yeah because the editor just emailed me and she's like do you want to write this right now and it Whoa, was like a couple weeks i assumed you were you had it in your pocket and you strategized no that. i mean this is what penguin would like oh. me to do penguin made me write all these essays for free to promote the book but i like wasn't into them they wanted me to write a listicle i was like i don't want to write a listicle and then this and then i got lucky the editor just and the editor had read my novel and I, and I worked with her wow. 10 years ago. So who was, who was this for? I don't even, uh, I didn't know. It's for Gen Magazine, which is a vertical of medium. 
Got it. Oh, oh, yes. Okay. I've done one for that. Like not that one, but like a film version of that. Right. Yeah. Like they reached out and they were like, can we put this on blah, blah on like, yeah, whatever the fuck is, I don't know, whatever name that they used for that thing. It was cool. It was like, I was, I got, I think $4, something like that. But, uh, <laughs> no, it was, uh, I was like, oh, cool. So it's all this. And like, yeah, they amplified it. Yeah. It's in a class now, actually. I have an essay that's in a, that's in a class, like at a, at a, at a school. That's awesome. The students, yeah. Like I didn't know, but then someone was taking this class and saw my name in the curriculum. And I was like, what? Like that's not proper. Like, <laughs> but that's cool how they do that. It just doesn't scale. I got really excited. So, so is that a thing? Like that medium business model of that revenue share? No. So this is, it's confusing what medium is doing because they're doing so many different things. But this is like, a, a, it's like a magazine inside medium. So they paid me to write it. Okay. Okay. But so I don't I, I get, I don't get any more money because it went viral. <laughs> so so I the whole paid. thing with the claps is that with the percentage of who claps for what, do, do you know about this? I know about the claps, but I'm, it, I'm not part of their revenue. So the business model, model that I thought they were doing, and this might be out of date was that everyone who subscribes has a certain amount of, you know, basically their, their ratio of claps goes directly. So if I, if I clap, if I, if I, if I pay $8 a month and I clap 100 times and I clap one, I only clap on you, you get $8. If I clap on, you know, 10 things, you get one tenth of $8. If I clap on eight things, you get a dollar like that. But, but this I don't know seems if that's like really if, happening. if you have to explain it in such detail, it doesn't seem like a very effective model, right? It's bonkers, yeah. Whereas it's very like clear if I pay for someone's Substack and I just pay them $5 a month, I know that $5 is going to the creator. Mm-hmm. That's very clear. So how much does that, you know, how many, how many, uh, then we get into the cable television model of like the a la carte versus the bump. And it's like, well, there's like 20 writers that I regularly like to read. Am I really, do I have enough? Like when I was 20 years old, I didn't even want to spend $10 a month on, you know, like I used my parents' Netflix DVD subscription because I didn't want to spend $10 a month. And I don't know, how, how, how large can that grow? It's tough, but that's what music is going to also. Music is so, I mean, I don't know this world at all, but I always, I'm like, I have, I'm a Spotify member, mm-hmm. but then I think, should I buy the albums I really like? Because then that supports the artist more than me listening to their song on Spotify. If you care to support the artist, buy it on Bandcamp or just send oh. them money. Like, but yeah, Bandcamp goes to the artist. Um, but a lot of the artists have Patreons. Um, that, so, so Spotify did something that I consider pretty fucked up uh, around the beginning of quarantine. They put a donate button. I think it's been removed, but they gave you the option to receive it yourself as like a donation to the artist or the artist or to donate it to a charity directly. And what that did was it put, it made Drake. It was a really easy call for Drake to, you know, uh, what's the, I've said it so many times. I'm, uh, virtue signal you know uh it made the rich artists it gave them a virtue signaling opportunity with everyone who actually oh wait like i have a hundred thousand streams on here like i could that you know that that's 
$19. Like I could use these donations. I'm poor. It embarrassed them at the very, at, at best. And at worst, it made people angry with them if they weren't going to donate money to charity, if they didn't see them as a poor, you know, artist who needs the money. So I don't know. It's a tricky thing because people don't understand. I think they're understanding more now that like, just because someone's in a touring band doesn't mean that they have any money. But, right. Especially if they can't tour. <laughs> yeah. Well, now they can't tour. Now they're super fucked. But I don't know what people's perception of these things are. Like record deals, you know, like if you're not in hip hop or pop, like you're getting like 20, 20 K, $20,000, like hundred K. If you're like, are, you know, if you have a, a, a catalog, like, yeah, there's there's so much money. that yeah that people don't understand. I mean, I I know so little about the music industry. I know about the book publishing industry, but it's like someone tagged me on Twitter to say that they bought my book used, and I just already thought, I just thought like I I make one dollar and twenty cents on each new paperback that's sold. You know what I mean? And when someone and buys my book zero. used, I make zero dollars. So it's like thanks for buying my book, but like. But then I think, am I going to educate this person? I don't want to publicly shame them for doing this, but it's, I know that it's ignorance, you know, and I try to, you know, I, I buy, I buy new books all the time, even though I could get free books from the publishers. I buy new books because I feel like I'm doing my part to keep my industry afloat. Yeah. It's, it's a weird position to be in, but you're not, I mean, I, you know, I don't, I don't, I don't know anything about you, but like, uh, that's nice of you. Cause I am at, you know, that's you're you're balancing your monthly budget. I imagine like, you're not like, you know, a billionaire, like, that's so correct. I'm not a billionaire, like, <laughs> you know, it, it, uh, but in that way, I want to be a, I want to be a role model. And I think a lot of people aspire to be writers. They would like book deals, yeah. but they need to participate in the community. Like I, it's still a very communal. So that's the horizontal thing, you know, yes. and that's about building. So, I mean, you are a great representative of that actually with, you made a Facebook group, you turned that into a conference, yeah. you turned that into your personal. So, so you, I mean, you did actually Sophia Amoroso kind of thing, but not I just didn't with make any money. other people's money. Well, first of all, you did it without other people's money and you yeah. did it, um, you did it with increment, real substance, you know, growth of substance. You built foundations for something and then that foundation allowed you to leverage it to another foundation, which you built. Now you have two foundations, you know, um, like 40,000 engaged users. That's real. You got 40,000 yeah. people there who are paying attention. Now you have tickets being sold for a conference. That's real. Um, right. And now you have people who are going, who are, who have indicated, I want to read the writing of this person. So book deal. That's yeah. anyone listening. Like, there you go. Like that's a, that's a template. Lee did it. And now you're just thinking about what's next. Uh, or, or I don't know, or maybe this is, this is maybe you're in a comfortable position and you can just continue to write, maybe throw a conference here and there. Like that might be it. And you're good. If there's a demand for your books and you could bring that IRL with a community like that's a totally sustainable that's a life right there mm -hmm. you sell books you have a sub stack you sell conferences right. like that's good you're, you're you know uh your newsletter is called the po poetry oh, poet, uh, po in, poet residence. in residence poet in residence yeah 
Yeah, that is my, new, I started that in, in yeah. quarantine. Um, and I just, and because of this, I sold my, my next book's going to be a poetry collection. So that's what I'm oh, working cool. on now. Congratulations. Thank you. Um, so, I mean, maybe that's it. Like, yeah. So one thing like leads to the it. other, but I follow, you know, I teach writing and I, the thing that I say over and over again is like, follow your obsession because whatever you're obsessed awesome. with is unique to you. And so that's what I've done. You know, if I'm not obsessed with something, I don't, fo- I don't want to go after it. I don't want to chase it because I'm going to get bored, you know, so I have to follow things I'm really obsessed with. Talk to me about poetry, you know, community wise, what, what, like, cause you talk about supporting the community. So like, where does that live? Who's like, doing cool stuff in the poetry world? Ooh, good question. Well, I'm just reading um, Jenny Zhang's new book, My Baby First Birthday. Um, I've read one of her books, actually. She's wild. Like, I really, her book is, um, it's really messy in an exciting way. Like, I feel like, I I like reading books that give me permission to screw around and um, not follow the rules. So her book definitely is that. I also read recently Dorianne Locks's, um collected poems. Those are really beautiful. And they're a little more um, straightforward, I would say. Very accessible and beautiful. Um, but there's a lot of really exciting stuff happening in poetry. Tommy Pico is another really interesting person to follow. Um, Morgan so Parker. What are, these people, what are these people's lives like? Like we just kind of broke down you know, your path a little bit. What do you, I mean, you might not know in as much depth, but like from what you see as a community member, industry member, consumer as well, uh, how are these people reaching you? Oh, good question. Um, They're all very online. Like I am, I mean, I follow a lot of millennial poets that are online like me. Um, Jason Koo um, started something called Brooklyn Poets maybe five or 10 years ago. And it's a true community. They have classes. Um, they have an, a monthly yawp, which comes from the Walt Whitman um, yawp, barbaric yawp, I think is in his poem. But, okay. um, but Jason Koo is like a great, he's just a great leader. And um, I've taught for him. He's been my boss. He's also a friend of mine. We send poems back and forth. But it's a really... Awesome diverse and inclusive community the open mics are super fun it's like the only open mic i've ever enjoyed in my whole life okay it's just uh genuinely positive does it move or he did them at um 61 local which is in brooklyn cool um so i i always find out about interesting poets from him oh he he led me to shira ehrlichman's book odes to lithium which is all about bipolar disorder it's a really good book and ugly music by Dianelli Antigua, also really good. I feel like with the poetry community, there's like no fame and fortune. It's just like, you have to enjoy the community. Like the community is what you get. Like that's <laughs> either you're in it so for the community cool or not. So what's cool about that is that with the, you know, sort of like when you asked me that open-ended question that I gave like a really, really long answer to, like about like how to do this today uh, and the horizontal and vertical, like, What's cool about that is you can do that now and make a living because what, what is, you know, the vertical, the rich people is, is more consolidated than ever. Like it's impossible to make a poetry collection and, and be rich, but to make a poetry collection and have a poetry night and have a Substack and maybe do a small press or something like that, you know, maybe write for a TV show, 
every year or two, you know, um, that's a, that's a life, you know, that's, that, 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 that can be like, you're not going to make $10 million at any point, but you could be making, you know, $300,000 a year for sure. With I'll that. let you know. I'll let you know. No, but I mean, <laughs> I, I think that and maybe not today, but I think that as it, as it, as these things all become normal as, so if Substack, for example, and Patreon and things like that become normal, like I subscribe to a hundred, if, if people start, if it becomes the norm that they are regularly supporting a hundred people across yep. different media in some, to, between a penny and, you know, $15 a month, whatever, like if that's, if that becomes normal, if we remove ourselves from the larger systems, you know, that we, right. If we, if we stop, sending our you know big chunk of money to like the example of like, like a cable company and we're going direct it is a much better world for the for the artist for the maker i don't know how realistic it is because it is um i mean it's a fucking exciting better world it's hyper local it just basically like uses the internet to make like coffee shops it uses the internet like a coffee shop you know like a local place where flyers are sitting in front you know, like, and except every time someone's interested in that, they can very quickly send $7, you know? It is exciting. And this is how Issa Rae started. I mean, totally, she had all yeah. these YouTube fans. She got, she got rejected by everybody. And then she grew it on YouTube. And then she got an ABC deal. And they didn't let her do it her way. And she, I don't, I think it was more just like, she didn't really cooperate and they, they, they didn't pick it up and then her youtube kept growing anyway and then hbo gave her full final cut and she's massive now yeah Th there are those examples but so i think I, it's but more... i think it's a, I, I think it's exciting for artists to like start where they are like if you're crazy about an idea like just start making it in the most you know lo-fi way that you that you can um, because I think some people yeah. delay their creativity because they're like, well, I don't have the funding and I don't have yes, the right camera and I don't have the right typewriter. I'll just wait until I have that. You know, I know people so that procrastinate like a... and they buy five different MacBooks trying to write their book. They think if they have the right MacBook, then they can write the book. When I was young, I like needed the right camera to make films and stuff. And I, and I didn't because I needed the right camera and stuff like that. But I think the Issa Rae... Uh, analog is really good to understand first of all it is possible to go get that HBO deal out of nothing but what is really really valuable to understand is that like that scale was always on a straight line for her she was just doing the thing she was doing and it was wherever it was going to be and it wasn't that she sat down and made a business plan of how to get to HBO she just was making her show and then it just it, she just had you know resonance and good timing and it was really good but she was doing awesome on youtube so like if it if it just became you know a creator thing and it didn't it didn't become a superstar thing like she's doing really well so that that's why you know Issa Rae is making millions of dollars now but like Issa Rae on youtube could be making 300k she, she could yeah. have that that life without the benefit of scaling it to the mainstream without getting, without becoming a household name, without becoming famous, without becoming co-signed by any of these big companies, she could be living a really nice life. That, that, that's more what I think is the opportunity of today. Yeah, totally. Like if you sell 
your book to HBO and you get, you know, I don't know if like you team up with Rose McGowan and you make like the thing that become like Rose McGowan finally gets it right. To, <laughs> and, and she like stops, you know, she stops like, like doing something at the final hour to, to not allow it to go mainstream. Like, and you and she team up and it's like, holy shit. And it's just brilliant. And it's like the next, it's the next Michaela Cole thing. Like, it's totally possible, but you don't need that to happen for you to be in a really, really, like if you have a Facebook group that generates revenue, you have a, uh, you, 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 you have a conference, you have your own personal Substack. You could probably have five personal Substacks, you know, in different like slight iterations and you make, you you write a book every year or two adding to that. If you option any of those books, yeah, that's a really good life. And that does not require anybody else. Mm-hmm. You can do it from where you're sitting right now. Yeah. Yeah, I think that is exciting. And that wasn't possible in the past. Right, without the internet. Totally. Mm-hmm. And it totally incentivizes you to be super switched on to the community, to be talking to people all the time, mm-hmm. to be supporting them. There's no competition in that. There's no consumer who is only going to, you know, I'm not, I'm going to sign up for either, you know, either Lee's Substack or Jenny's. Like, that's not, that's not a thing. Yeah. They're signing up because they feel like it. They're not like picking. Right. So you absolutely, you want her to be a guest on your Substack, you know, and you on she, on hers. Yeah, totally. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think it's cool. Why is your book called, I mean, I still, the dark satire thing, like we, we like, I like, I, 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 uh, I, I, I digressed. How do you feel about that? Like, do you? Well, I wonder, I mean, no one else has brought this up about whether it really is a satire, but I wonder. That's what I'm saying. You know the world, you've lived the world that I'm writing about, but a lot of readers have not. So, so, and even with calling my- it a satire, though, the reason why I, I, I push on this is because I don't want them to think it's a satire. I want them to understand how on the nose it is. You're not creating Patrick Bateman. It's not a fantasy. This is you're quoting. But it is exaggerated. I don't think so. <laughs> What's exaggerated? That's the, scary, that's the scary part, though. Okay, take the pitch meeting that you just described in the book. There's a, there's a chapter totally that's, a, that's a pitch meeting about let's film women talking about cultural appropriation and microaggressions that other women have committed on an Instagram-esque platform mm-hmm. and will monetize it. That to me was exaggerating something. No, it's not. <laughs> Do you know how Thinks launched? How? They took videos of a bunch of us and asked us on the spot, about menstruation and asked us to define it and kept the camera rolling as men and women just toiled and, and, and got tortured and embarrassed at, at how little they understood. I was the only person, I take so much pride in this, that I just, I was like, uh, and I gave just like a two sentence answer and they were like, oh, yeah, okay. And that was it. I'm the only one in the whole you series. Passed the menstruation I passed it, pop but quiz. They, 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 it was through torture. It was through showing how stupid people are 
And, and you know, it, it's, not, it's not a completely on the nose example, but the point being the marketing campaign started as look how fucking stupid people are. <laughs> yeah. And laugh at them and buy our product to, to, to solve your own stupidity because we know that you're also this stupid. Well, here's another example is that in the book, there's a beach towel that says, believe victims that they're going to give to influencers. And someone I reviewed don't it. I think that's And they said, crazy... I hope this isn't real. And then, so I was like, I'll just Google it. So I Googled it like last week is and it? it exists. There you go. Well, I, I don't know. I, like, I brought this up like not seriously. No, no, not, not, uh, not, not seriously. I mean, I brought it up as a meaningful conversation point but like not something that i had a vested interest in and now as i'm talking about it i feel a vested interest in communicating that your book that that towel literally is on the internet if people read that chapter and laugh and say oh look at these fucking stupid people that's so crazy that they would do that in this book it, it, this is not far from this is this is real yeah, yeah i think it's important that people understand that this is real <laughs> I hear your point. I appreciate your point. I guess I can just say that as I was writing it, I was deliberately exaggerating and amplifying. I thought, I thought that I was writing something over the top, but what I'm hearing from people like you is that I've just accurately depicted the world. <laughs> if, if we knew each other a year early, I would have just invited you to dinner a couple times <laughs> and you would have seen and I it would have given, I would have given up on the book. I would have been if like, I, I if I brought you to Shabbat dinner once, you, you would, you would have written the same book, but you would have just taken out the word, you know, the phrase dark satire. Like <laughs> it, it's Shabbat dinner at my house. Like I would, I would host sometimes. And then there's like another Shabbat dinner that my friends do. And if you came with me once just sitting at that, you could talk about, it doesn't matter what you're going to realize, you're going to hear so many quotes that yeah, are from yeah, the book. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> In another world, in another time. Yeah, no, but I mean, you did it anyway. I just, I'm just, I'm just, yeah, it's, how did you get, why, why this topic? How did you get obsessed with it? Well, you know, you keep referring to my Facebook group and my conference, but they died. So I resigned in 2017 and never went back. And there was never another conference after I left. So the whole thing. Oh, you know, kind of, I, sorry. I, I knew that that happened. I was more just creating a template of like, you know, a life. Yeah. Got it. Got it. Got it. But um, there was so much drama and infighting in the Facebook group that I, I was, that I had to go on antidepressants basically. It Jeez. was, it was really dark time. And so from that time of burning out, that's the kind of the seed for the book. So my initial okay. idea was like, um, I kept, I started reading the business section more often, listening to podcasts about founders and entrepreneurship. And I kept hearing about like male founders going on digital detoxes or like spiritual journeys, like Jack yeah. Dorsey going to Myanmar. Yeah. And I was like, wouldn't it be funny if like I sent like a female founder on like a digital detox um, and it turned into like the yellow wallpaper, the Charlotte Perkins Gilman novella. That was on the nose. Okay. I got that. And I was like, yeah, is yeah. this a yellow wallpaper reference? We're yeah, like okay, everyone cool. around that. her great. is telling her she's sick and crazy. My film has a yellow wallpaper reference. Like That's I specifically so put yellow wallpaper and I, um, I'm in it and I, I peel the yellow wallpaper and I let the camera linger on the peeling of it. And that's what the reference is. 
That's great. So that's, that was the seed of the idea that, so that Marin, the main character, she does something bad and she needs to be sent away. So in the, in the early drafts, it was just like her in the woods for many pages. And then my agent was like, let's like have some other stuff happen in the beginning mm -hmm. of the book. So I reconfigured the structure, but that's where the beginning came from. Was that, and that was, well, no, that wasn't you exactly. You didn't, well, you went away in a different way. Yeah, I would say like Marin is the character who's who's most recognizable as me to people who know me, but she's, mm. she, this is another reason it's satire, like she's all my worst qualities, like turned up to a 10, like she's a workaholic, that, she thinks yeah. she can do everything better than other people, she can't delegate, she feels like a martyr that's just carrying the company on her shoulders. I mean, that's really how I felt running this feminist nonprofit where women who disagreed with some of the stuff we were doing tried to destroy us instead of joining us and building something better here's current so i'm assuming I, if you haven't been up on this i'd be surprised but like the whole barry weiss situation oh here we go because <laughs> on on what you were just saying you know like and then there's a, a quote vocal about their beliefs but only the ones that everyone else agrees are worth believing in that's that i i highlighted a ton and that's just i put those two next to each other you know what do you what do you think of all of it <laughs> I am trying to take some time off from Twitter because it makes me too upset. What I would like to say, but I don't feel I can say mm. on Twitter, I think it's fair to point out Barry's hypocrisies. You can say, here's a free speech champion who has also done this thing. I think that's fair game. I don't think it's fair that she has faced harassment in private Slack channels at her own workplace, among, that her colleagues are shit posting about her on private message boards. And I think if she was a woman of color, we would all be collectively outraged and saying this is workplace harassment. But because she's Barry, it's fair game and she's a whiny baby. How do you feel about the sort of ideological news cycle that we have this list of topics and, and opinions that are okay and everything has to be about that? And this is, if you haven't read the Barry... Weiss uh, resignation note. First of all, you should. It's very short. It's like a page. But um, yeah, it talks about anti-Semitism. It talks about shitposting. And um, I'd say most relevant to this conversation is it talks about how the New York Times just has a, these are okay. This is what we have to represent or else everyone will get mad at us. And all of our writers have to write along these, you know, opinions that are accepted. But you know, so, so she says, like, we can write seven articles about how Donald Trump is, is bad, but, like, we can't talk about, you know, anti-Semitism, for example. And, yeah. Yeah, I think this, this comes full circle to what we started talking about at the beginning with politics, because it's mm -hmm. like, I'm not afraid of people with different opinions from me. I don't feel like I'm going to be infected if I have a conversation with a Republican, am I going to turn into a Republican? I think this is some of the fear is like, it's, there's some kind of- Yeah, like I went to this Nazi rally, you know? Right. Like what's going to happen to me? I'm going to become a Nazi? Like, <laughs> And I actually find, I, I've, since, I feel like I was part of the far left, dogmatic, woke internet mob when I was running this Facebook group. I was pretty okay. far left and I was pretty- pretty uh what what is give me like a little you know highlight sheet of the what 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 far left 
person running a Facebook group like this is? I was a super intersectional feminist. Um, we listened to the community. We added gender pronouns to our conference badges. Um, we were trans inclusive from the very beginning. So from the very first conference, we had trans women speakers. Um, I was. What did you stand cool. for? What did we stand? <laughs> we stood for gender equality, and we stood okay. for considering trans women women. Um, uh, we were also gender inclusive. So we changed our Facebook group name from binders full of women writers to just the binders so that it could be inclusive of people who don't identify as women. Um, we had non-binary people um, speak at our conference, attend our conferences in our Facebook Did you do group. X? Did you do W-O-M-X-N? No, that's, that's new, like a right? newer thing that I don't know how to pronounce. That came out of Latinx, I think, yeah. Latinx, I think we use the word Latinx occasionally. Um, we, we aimed for 50% of our conference speakers to be women of color. Um, we were very deliberate about that. We wanted people, we did panels that were identity focused. So like moms who write or um, black women writers. We also had panels that were about a certain topic that we aimed to have diversity on those topics as well. Okay. And then um, flashing forward to today where you But you're when I say like I was part yeah. of the woke mob, it's like I knew what I was allowed to say and what I wasn't allowed to say. Okay, got it. I you were self-censored. Yes. And uh, it seemed like some of the arguments that happened on the Facebook group, there was a, a assumption that a certain identity would win the argument, that it wasn't about arguing ideas. It was different identities arguing with each other and whoever was from the most marginalized group won the argument. So as a uh, white woman, I often had to step back because I was a white woman. And so I would step back. It's uh, right now it's July 17th. And, you know, at this moment, we're at the turn of what's about to become, you know, we're, we're at black people versus Jewish people moment in Twitter culture today. Next week, it's going to become we have to stand up with our Jewish brothers, you know, that's, that's about to happen. So if oh, you, it started happening yesterday. Yeah, yeah, it, yeah, with, yeah, with Diddy and stuff. No, I, I, it's happening from the Jewish side, but it's barely. It's not. It's it's a. It's starting. It's still anti a little bit. It's starting, but by next week, everyone's going to be unified. So I, I wrote a comment on Diddy's thing of like, I, I removed it because I realized it's just going to like it's too. It was too early, but you know, like screen grab everyone who, you know, who who thumbs up this because next week they're going to be deleting it and walking it back and realizing, oh shit, wait, because it's going to it get trendy. It changes so quickly. It the trends yeah. change so quickly. And so I would just say like, what, like I'm still, you know, I'm still left wing. I gave money to Elizabeth Warren's campaign. Like <laughs> politically, I'm still on the left, but I don't fall for the group think anymore. And I, okay, so we're like, yeah, I really fun. enjoy listening to podcasts because I think they're richer conversations mm -hmm. than what I see on social media. On podcasts, I can hear people disagree with each other respectfully and walk yeah. away and they're still friends and it's not a big deal. Where online, it's like you block someone if they disagree with mm -hmm. you. And then your echo chamber just gets another lining. Yeah. <laughs> right, right, right. That's how I think about it is like, I'm not following people that disagree with me. That's not, so if, 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 if that's where I'm getting my news, you know, Instagram, Twitter, like who am I getting news from? I'm getting news on Twitter from film critics mainly, you know, and Yankees fans, like <laughs> if you think about it. Uh, and on Instagram, like art gallery curators and film festival curators and girls who I have crushes on, like, 
<laughs> I got it. Like Instagram right now is like my safe place. Like I, I'm not in an Instagram where there's any drama. So Twitter to me is like raising my blood pressure, but Instagram is where I can go. And like, I got a fan letter from someone who owns goats. I got to see their goats. It was great. That great. Well, goats are, goats are cute as fuck. You know, they, they do things too. And like, you could put them in, you could put goats in out of context situations and it's hilarious, you know? <laughs> <laughs> so so what what's ne- what what happens next with that aspect of our of our culture where there's okay opinions and we reverberate them to the ends of the earth and you know well this is what scares me i mean sometimes i describe this drama to someone who's like a normie who's not on twitter and they're like i don't even know like who's Barry Weiss like what are you talking about which is fine yeah but- that's true like i like to me it was like a big event but like, but it is important because the media, these are the people that are running the media and that are determining right. what stories get reported in the New York times, what right. stories are covered on. That's CNN. in the letter. Yeah. She talks about that. So How I like this tiny that- subset of the population is influencing the New York times. That's right. So that I think is the danger that there are high stakes here, even if they're among players that, you know, oh, no, my I don't, dad I don't think that's the danger. Of. I think that happened already. Yeah, I'm, it's I'm, happening. I'm thinking like, yeah, yeah. Like what is like, I think that, I think it is entrenched. Uh, me personally, like I think it's been entrenched for a minute. I removed myself from like, I lived in Los Angeles, dinners and stuff. And I stopped going because it became just like the checklist of topic conversation. And I refused to participate. So I removed myself from that. And that, that's, that happens online. But that's been, I, I think it's been happening for a minute. So I'm more thinking about, you know, where does, like, change is the only, uh, you know, time is God and change is the only certainty. So where does the nuance come from? Where, where does it, because it's going to happen. We're not going to go further down this rabbit hole. I don't think, I don't think it can. I don't know. Are people going to read books? <laughs> you think more people are going to read books because of pandemic? No, I think people are reading less books. Right. We, that's how we kind of started. Yeah. How have you felt about the response? We're, we're, it was released, what, five days ago or something? Uh, June 30th. So but it's been out for about oh, two weeks. Oh, it was weeks. that? Oh, I didn't. Oh, wow. Okay. I'm, I, I thought it was this week for some reason. Okay. So you're two weeks in. How do you feel like expectations uh, versus reality? <laughs> really pleased. It's doing. Um, <clears throat> Compared to my last book, it's doing really well. And, and I'm getting a lot of messages from people I don't know that are reading it really quickly. Like, and it's exciting. It is, it's, a, it's a, like, I blink all of a sudden, I just read, you know, 30 pages I didn't even realize. Like, it, it's, a, it's a quick read. Yeah. yeah. So that's exciting. So I feel good about the reception so far. Okay. Cool. It's funny, like, yeah, like all this shit that you asked me about, like, uh, like I never talk about these things, but it's so relevant to, you know, because I've like really separated myself from a lot of this stuff for the reason, like your book exists because of the same things. Like we just, I, I feel you on all this stuff. Um, it's funny. I wasn't expecting to like, to go into all of it. I was more just going to listen. I, I apologize for talking so much. <laughs> it's okay. Okay. It was a rich conversation and I yeah. appreciate it. Well, to next week, to the anti-Semitism banter, which will inevitably blow up and become...
thing pieces galore. What's your next piece? What are you writing about? Um, I'm actually going to write an essay about um, experimenting with not drinking in quarantine. Cool. So I, uh, and I'm exploring some different mocktails and euphorics. I kind of like running little wellness experiments on myself. Okay. This is, this is a good way to, to wrap. Tell me about like your both pandemic and like pre and, and the contrast of like your diet, not, not, not food, everything, you know, reading, <laughs> uh, exercise. Like how do you live? You're a writer, you know, how do you live? So I think I'm one of the lucky ones in that my life hasn't changed so dramatically. I mean, I, I, my, I really sympathize with my friends who have young kids who suddenly now have to yeah. work full time from home with little kids. Um, so I was already kind of a homebody who spent a lot of time online and now I'm a homebody who spent a lot of time online. Sure. Um, but I, I'd been kind of frustrated with my drinking for a while. I wasn't a binge okay. drinker, but I was, you know, I'd have wine every evening and I felt like I wanted to cut back and I couldn't. And so I was like, I'm such a high achiever and I'm so disciplined that it was really like my frustration with my own self. Do you drink out of habit? Is it just like, oh, it's that time I'm going to yeah. do that? Okay. Yeah. Like every evening there was like always a reason, whether it was a good day or a bad day, there was a reason. Do you, are you affected by negative stimulus? Do you want to drink when negative things happen? No, I, it, for me, it's mostly associated with time of day. I wouldn't okay. drink in the day. Um, it was always just an evening habit. So I read this book, The Naked Mind by Annie Grace. And, and I also, I was like, oh my God, do I have to join AA? And so I really resisted stopping drinking because I thought it meant I had to join AA, which is another kind of dogma. And if that works for you, God bless you. I think that's great. I have friends in AA. But I didn't want to go to AA, so I just avoided doing anything about it until I read this book um, and just tried 30 days without alcohol. And I felt so amazing. I started writing. This is when I started writing poems for the first time in 10 years. I started writing poetry. Holy again. fuck. What day are you on now? Or did you start again? Did you just take 30 days and then you went back? Oh, I did about a hundred and I think 103 days. Wow. Congratulations. I know how hard that is. I really, really congrats. Then my book came out and I was like, I really need some wine. Totally fair. I get it. So I had a couple of weeks of drinking wine again. And now I'm kind of, it still feels like I'm in an experiment. Like I'm trying to learn more about myself and where, where it feels good to be with alcohol. So I'm still learning, I would say. Tell me, tell me about, emotionally when your book comes out why you know I, I totally get it and I, I like hearing people articulate like the feelings around like this thing is coming into the world that you worked on really hard the, the thing that that is so emotional for me is that I perform myself online so I'm performing a version of Lee Stein on Twitter and Instagram and it's success and strength that's what I perform that I'm a successful person, that I worked really hard. The book, yeah. Um, but in private, there's all kinds of other stuff happening and there's all kinds of drama and there's all kinds of disappointment. Like, why didn't this person say something oh. to me? Um, but I don't put that online because I'm, I'm projecting a certain self. So it's the disconnect between the public and the private that um, feels like I'm on a roller coaster. Why do you do it? Why do I do, which part? Persona. I think it's a way of protecting. It's not an accusation. Yeah, it's, it's just. It's a, a way of protecting the vulnerable part of me because I've also been vulnerable online um, and it doesn't feel good. Like I have been transparent. What happened and told the when truth. you were vulnerable? I 
people feel sorry for me and, and pity me and send me these emails. And then I feel like I've been exposed. I feel like I've been naked in public and then I re regret it. If you do it a lot, it gets, it gets better. I do it. And, uh, I, I, I killed the persona online and because I had it. I had a big one. You could Google, you know, New York Times article with me with things in my hair and shit. Like it was ridiculous. Um, it's, it's scary. I think I've got, yeah, I've gone the other way. I used to be more vulnerable. I mean, this is how I started. I started like having a live journal as a teenager. That's how I got my first publication credits. You know, I put everything right. online. So I've actually become more private as I've gotten older. Um, but I think. What if the nuanced voice who also makes significant works but gets even more nuanced as a you know like on twitter you know it, when when you're speaking con you know regularly like you make significant works you're published by penguin you know so you're you're like you are uh qualified you know you're 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 blessed by the the powers that be as as someone you know you're relevant like and then you give a super nuanced voice. Is it, is it out of, cause I, I personally think that there's an upsell in that there, there is, there is, um, there's awareness, there's quality of, of connection. There's, there's engagement to be earned by doing that, but it is also scary. It's a dangerous thing because if you offend the powers that be, they could remove it. Is that something that you, you think about? Yeah. I don't have, I mean, I don't have like the kind of financial security that would, I, I feel like I can't say what I really think. I, I don't have mm -hmm. that kind of security. I don't have that kind of following. Um, so it's- what would, but, but what would happen? What would, is it even interesting to you? And if so, what would happen? What would have to happen to make you lean in to like the nuance of, you know, what, what you really feel? Like, like the podcast version of what you talk about. Like what construct, what, what adjustments could be made to your professional life to make that something that you want? I would have to feel a little more stable, like with my next book. Um, so it's straight up risk assessment and having a safety net. Yes. Okay. Yeah. I mean, this is, this is why, like when we're talking about the horizontal shit and like what's next and all that, like this is a micro of that macro. Yeah. Yeah. So it's like, in order for this to happen, in order for the opinion to stop being this like, you know, dogmatic, like the thing that Barry Weiss describes, a bunch of loud voices have to cross that threshold of, oh, I'm going to say something that's off, you know, off book. Um, but so each of them has to be risk, either, either not caring or they have to have their risk kind of, uh, softened mm -hmm. honestly i had both i had safety net because i just left i left with first of all not i wasn't like rich i didn't have like a ton of money. i just i was i was i was fine you know my rent i knew my rent was going to be paid for a while and huge every time i would do work i would get paid too much because of where I had just left. 
So I could consult and make, like I could work once a month and like get enough money to live for the month. And I could throw an event and sell a shitload of tickets and my margins were really good. Mm -hmm. So I had that. I wasn't making what I was making before, but I was making, I could make something. And my other bigger incentive to burn it all down and lean into this was I had no interest in the other. I, I, I weighed it all. I saw it. And I was like, I don't want to be in that world anymore, even yeah. if I can. That merry-go-round is done. I don't want it. I would sooner make sandwiches on the beach in Mexico and have a fucking awesome, you know, like just fucking have an awesome sandwich shop in Mexico than go and like be part of Consolidated Machine. So for me, that it was first I had a little bit of cushion and I was not afraid of being like canceled, you know? Right. Because I wasn't, I wasn't trying to get anyone to sign up. <laughs> I didn't, I didn't, wasn't selling anything. I just wanted to, I wanted to only, I only wanted to build the ecosystem that was me doing my thing. But that was, that took a long time and it took a really, I didn't, I didn't plan for that. It just like revealed itself. Mm -hmm. I hope that we can build incentives for, for nuance? you to lean in. Yeah. <laughs> I love that. Incentivize nuance. I'll write it down. <laughs> that could be a company. That could be like a production company, you know, or a community. Yeah, <laughs> yeah but I think it's, that's what's missing. Outrage is incentivized and polarization is incentivized, yeah. but nuance is not incentivized. There's no incentive. For nuanced dialogue, there's none. Though I just subscribed to Yasha Monk's new magazine, Persuasion, which I hope. Uh, Yasha Monk? Yasha Monk. He's a Atlantic writer. Um, and he started a new magazine called Persuasion that I just signed up for. This is another new media model that's, you know, subscriber driven. Cool. You would like it. I'll check it out. Okay. I love all this. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for having me on. This is a great conversation. My favorite, my favorite to date. Oh, good. Well, <laughs> yeah. that, that, that's what I aim for. I aim to just be like, fuck all the junket stuff. Like, <laughs> yes, your quotes are already on there. Like, yeah. you know, I'll, I'll happily like send a fucking PDF to your publicist, but then like, <laughs> we're just going to do other shit, you know? Like yeah, I want to, I want to be the only place where you get to talk about the nuance and <laughs> you don't have to talk about like, you know, I don't know, whatever fucking, I'm sure you have, awesome anecdotes in your other <laughs> interviews that <laughs> that are timed <laughs> and perfect yeah. Yeah. well cool I, I actually this is like another conversation but like hearing about the machine in publishing is something i'm super interested in maybe we'll just talk about that offline because i would love to know more or mm. maybe it's another episode before the next book that you have sure. already left your publisher because <laughs> you decided I wanted to incentivize my nuance and, <laughs> and then we could funny. speak about it. But anyway, Hey, it's been a super pleasure. I love what you do. Um, I, I connect with it deeply. I laugh out loud while reading. Um, I get angry. I highlight, I'm looking right now as I have like, like 50 highlights. I'll send you the PDF highlight afterwards. Um, tons of highlights. And that's a good thing. Um, and it's crazy that you're doing it from the outside looking in, as you describe, um, because you nailed it as far as I am concerned. And thank you, keep Sean. On keeping on. And thank thank you. you so much. It's wonderful to connect. I learned a lot. Thanks. All right. 
well, enjoy the weekend. Don't get COVID. And um, <laughs> hopefully in person really sometime fun. soon. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Thanks Bye, again. Sean. Thank you Bye. for this. Bye. If you're watching this on video, you'll see my black glasses I'm wearing. They're by Genesee, G-E-N-U-S-E-E.com, an eyewear company out of Flint, Michigan, founded, owned, and operated by my friend, Ali Rose. They employ the structurally unemployable locals and recently incarcerated. They are made from recycled plastic water bottles. They're the first eyewear brand in the U.S. to be completely circular economy. They donate 1% of their net proceeds to Flint Kids Fund, aiding in the long-term health and development of those affected by the Flint water crisis. I really like them. I wear them all the time. They're female-founded. They check a lot of boxes of things that I support, and they offered you guys a discount of, I think, 20%, something like that. So type in tea with SG at www.genesee.com, G-E-N-U-S-E-E.com, and get yourself a pair.